Most of us don't remember where we came from. Many of us did not come from a church like this. Did not get the privilege to hear music like this. And uh, I hate to say this because they probably got me on camera now, but I did not. I was not raised in a church where I liked the music. Matter of fact, I think church would probably been better if I didn't have to hear what I had to hear back then. And uh, anyhow, uh, I sure am thankful that I get to come to church and enjoy music. It ain't about the music, but the music sure enhances the experience. And uh, I'm thankful for a choir that brings us into the presence of the Lord and, uh, and drops us right at His feet and then lets us read from His Word, partake, uh, commune with Him, and leave out of here differently. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter number 12. Acts chapter number 12, if you will. And uh, we'll be just uh, a brief time tonight, hopefully. And uh, maybe we won't be too long tonight. Uh, but in Acts chapter number 12, uh, we'll begin our reading in verse number 1. We'll read for a little bit. And uh, I'm going to really hang around the front part of this uh, chapter, but uh, we'll read the entire story, and then we will go from there, all right? So how many of you, excuse me, has found Acts chapter number 12? Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Let's begin our reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, now about that time, Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Uh, this Herod was a grandson of the Herod that uh, 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 killed the babies uh, trying to get rid of Jesus. So he had a heritage <laughs> that was bad. Can I get a witness? All right. And he continued on in this. Now, uh, at this time, reading in Scripture, uh, this kind of comes out of nowhere. But uh, it tells us that about this time, and we'll talk about that time here in a little bit, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Uh, in other words, he beheaded him. All right, this is the first account that we have of an apostle being martyred. Okay, he's not the first martyr, as we can go back in scripture and find James, or not James, but uh, Stephen. Uh, just a few, uh, uh, just a little bit back at Acts chapter number 8. Uh, but uh, this is the first apostle. This is the first of the twelve. This is the first of the inner circle. All right, when you go and you look in Scripture, uh, Jesus had three that were close to him. You have James. And John, these two that are mentioned in this, in this, uh, verse here. And the other of the third, or the three, is mentioned in the next verse. Alright, so as we go to verse number three, uh, we pick up and we see, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of un Leaven bread. The Bible says, and when he had apprehended him, talking about Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him. There was four watches. 
On each watch, there would be four soldiers. In this particular manner, two would be chained to him and two would guard the entrances or the exit out of his cell or out of his uh, uh, jail. So the Bible tells us that he was delivered to these four quaternions. Now we ask why so much security? Because this wasn't the first time that Peter had been in jail. Matter of fact, if we go back to Acts chapter number 5, Peter was thrown in jail and he walked out. <laughs> Is everybody all right? No doubt Herod had heard this story before and he says, I'm going to make sure he don't just walk out this time around and I'm going to put soldiers with him and one's going to be chained to each wrist and there are going to be two that guards the door to make sure nobody comes in and steals him away. So he delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. The Bible says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. When Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping. Must be nice. I need somebody to help me. You're dying the next day. <laughs> You're in a prison. It's dark. It's nasty. It's wet. You're chained to two soldiers. And you're like, all right, boys, I see y'all in the morning. And he went to sleep. I need somebody to help me. There's been far less things kept you up all night. Oh, yeah. Been far less things kept you up all night. And here Peter is facing certain death the next day. And we find this man sleeping. I don't know about you, but I want that kind of faith. I do. I want that kind of faith. I want that kind of grace in my life when it's my last day, when it's my last night. I want peaceful rest. I want to go out with the same manner that Peter was prepared to go out. And that was, God, if it be your will, then Lord help, I'll see you tomorrow. But if not, <laughs> no, well, I ain't going to get into all that because I started to feel like we back, we're going to be back in Daniel before you know it, all right? So Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Verse number 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up. I, I like this. A whisper didn't wake up Peter. If you're wondering how good he was sleeping, the Bible didn't say he patted him on the side. The Bible said that he smoked Peter on the side. Apparently, Peter was sleeping pretty good. He's probably snoring right about this time. Is everybody all right? I mean, it was getting good to him. And he smoked Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. I always like to point this out because my preacher pointed it out to me one time. But he said this, God isn't going to do everything for you. Ah, man, I like that. Now listen here, that doesn't mean that you and I are to go against God. But as you see here, the angel gave him specific instructions 
and he followed them to a T. And one of the things that the angel had him do was to put on his clothes and tie up his own sandals. Now, he'll do the impossible. Come on, I need somebody to help me tonight. But God expects some things out of you and I, too. The Bible goes on, it tells us, at uh, in verse number 9, And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true. He thought he was dreaming. I mean, no boy was sleeping so good, he thought this was just a dream. He didn't realize that he was actually being delivered from prison. He just thought he was dreaming about being delivered from prison. I know, boy, I need somebody to help me when your dreams become reality. No, I'll go on. The Bible says, and he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was now, I, I'm going to read the rest of this because it's funny. Is everybody all right? Amen. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together doing what? Praying. This was the same group of people back in chapter or verse number 5 that was praying unto God for Peter's deliverance. They're all gathered at John Mark's house. And as they are there, they are praying that Peter would be delivered from prison. And so Peter shows up at the very house where everybody is praying. Let's see how this goes. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. I mean, she didn't even unlock the gate. The man's a fugitive. If anybody sees him, he's going back to jail. She said, just wait a minute, I'll be back. She runs inside. She tells everybody, you ain't going to believe it. Peter's standing out there at the gate. Let's see how they respond. Verse number 15. And they said unto her, thou art mad. I need somebody to help me. Y'all, y'all not getting this, but I want you to get this, all right? Because our prayers are just like this. God, we need you to do something big. God does something big. I ain't. Have, I don't know if that's from God or not. Now, <laughs> here they are in a room praying and begging God to deliver Peter, and Peter shows up at the house, and they're like, "Nah, it ain't him. It ain't him." But she con- she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they. It, it must be his angel. Is everybody getting this? I mean, the girl couldn't convince them that Peter was at the gate, but yet they were the ones that were praying that Peter be delivered. Boy, I need somebody to help me right here because we have all been there. God, I need you to answer this prayer. God answers the prayer. Not like that now. 
I got answers to prayer. Now I don't think I, 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 I don't know. I, this might be, this might be from the devil. <laughs> uh, this, 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 I, I don't, I just, I don't know if I can believe it or not. The Bible says in verse number 16, but Peter continued knocking. Bless his heart. I imagine he hollered out, let me in! <laughs> We don't get that in there. But anyhow, but Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I mean, who'd have thunk? God an answer a prayer. Is everybody getting what I'm saying? Boy, our prayer sometimes is so faithless. Let me say, let me restate that. Our prayer most times is so faithless. We pray and we're asking God for something and God's answer to prayers and we, we refuse to believe it. And then we're surprised that God would answer the prayer. Verse number 17. But he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace. It must have got pretty loud and exciting around there. Declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things unto James. Now, this ain't the same James that was killed by Herod. This was James, the brother of Jesus, who is one of the leaders of the early church. And so he tells him to go show these things unto James. What things? How God had delivered him. All right? And to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now, I could read on. What we'll find out is that uh, the next morning, the Bible says there was no small stir. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> uh, here's, here's guys chained to Peter, and now he's gone. Here's guys guarding the door, and now he's gone. And so, of course, you can imagine what Herod would do to them, being the wicked king that he is. He killed all four of the soldiers that was guarding him that night. And so uh, the Bible goes on in Scripture to tell us by the end of this chapter that God took the life of Herod, uh, and he did so because Herod would not give him glory. And that's another story, and we'll talk about that on another day. But as I looked at this, and as I was reading this, I couldn't help but notice something, and maybe you picked it up. Maybe you think like I do. Maybe things come to your mind like I do. I've not heard this preached from this passage of Scripture, although I am sure that it has been. But I often wonder why God answers this prayer but doesn't answer this one. Have you ever wondered about John? I would imagine that John prayed for his brother James. I would imagine that James, as he sat in that jail cell awaiting execution from Herod, I imagine that prayer was made for him, maybe. I would imagine that John at some point prayed for him. I know I would. I, I don't even have a brother, but if I had a brother, I believe I would pray for my brother, especially as close as these two were. These were the sons of thunder. Jesus had named them such. These two were close. They were close to Jesus. They were in his inner circle. And yet, James dies, and Peter gets delivered. 
Come on now, I know that I, I know that I'm not the only one that's ever thought, why is this person's prayer answered and mine didn't get answered? Why did this happen and I, I, I don't understand it. I, I, I don't understand. We're not told. Now listen, let me stop. We're not told that anybody prayed for James. So I have to be careful making assumptions that they were. But I just kind of figured maybe, maybe those that knew he was in prison probably, there was probably some prayers throughout. Is everybody alright? But I want to look at this tonight. And I hope maybe tonight we will, uh, we'll see some things. Maybe tonight we'll get some help as a church. Because one thing that I noticed about this was that this took place, the Bible says in verse number one, now about that time, about what time? What was going on? Well, if you go back in the history and the background of the early church, you'll find out that the church was growing. It was growing exponentially. I mean, it was growing very fast. Things were happening. You'll remember if we go back into chapter number 7 and chapter number 8, uh, you'll remember in the beginning of chapter number 9, uh, there was persecution of the church. Because of the persecution on the church, the church was spreading abroad. But the church was still growing. Then somebody got saved. About chapter number 9, a guy got saved. You and I, he was his name was Saul. But the Bible tells us about Saul as Stephen was being uh, a stone that the people laid the clothes, laid their clothes at the feet of a man by the name of Saul. And Saul was the one that was persecuting the Christians. Saul gets saved, and now we know him as Paul, but Saul gets saved, and the persecution seems to stop. We don't see much about the persecution of the church. We have a period of rest, if you will, a time of peace, if you will. And during that time, the church is growing. The church is exploding. Gentiles are now being saved. Chapter number 10, Cornelius gets saved. Chapter number 11 and 12, Antioch. We start seeing people getting saved around Antioch. The gospel is being spread to the world. And here we come to chapter number 12, and Satan says, I'm going to put an end to this. Is everybody all right? And how does he do that? He attacks the leadership of the church. Everybody all right? Say amen if you understand what I'm telling you. Yes, we know that he was he was after the church, but I want you to notice how he did it. The Bible says that he vexed certain of the church. It wasn't somebody that nobody had heard of. It wasn't somebody that just come and sat on a pew. It wasn't somebody that just came and maybe attended Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night. It was somebody of importance. It was somebody of leadership. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's not important in the church, but what I am saying is, is that at this particular time, the apostles were a big deal. They were the authority of the church. Not only the authority of the local church, they were the authority of the entire church. In other words, wherever they went, they had the authority over that church. They didn't come in and answer to anybody. When they come in, they set doctrine. They were the ones that said what thus saith the Lord said. So for Herod to attack this man sent ripples all through the church. This was one of Jesus' closest disciples. This was one, the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 17, when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, there was three others that were with him. 
James, John, and Peter. This was the one that stood with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and heard God the Father speak out of heaven and said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. This was the one in Matthew chapter number 26. This was the one that when Jesus was approaching the cross, when the night before Jesus would hang on a cross, He took His disciples to a little garden, and the Bible says He left some some of the disciples behind, and He and three others went a little farther. Those three men that went with Jesus was James, John, and Peter. Eight other ones stayed back. Judas had already gone to get the soldiers to come and get Jesus. Eight of them Jesus left at the entrance of the garden. Three he took with him in his darkest hour before the cross. As he sweat, as it were, sweat drops of blood. As he was in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, he brought three with him and one of them, according to verse number 2 in chapter 12, was now dead, martyred, head cut off by a politician, King Herod. The ripple effect this would have had on the church, if you could imagine going back to what the disciples felt when Jesus hung on the cross. They all scattered. They all ran except for John, who stuck around at the foot of the cross. But all the other disciples fled from the scene. You can imagine now one of the prominent apostles, one of the main guys of the church, his life has been taken. God did not prevent it. God did not stop it. And you can only imagine how everybody in the church felt. Can I get a witness right here? Boy, you want to talk about suppressing some witness. When you kill the, when you kill the top dog, all the little dogs start questioning things. And this is what's going on. The devil knows how to attack the church. Stay with me. He knows how to attack the family. I need a daddy to understand me right here. Praise God, he can go after mama, but if he gets daddy, it affects the whole family. This is what was taking place. I want you to look with me. I got an outline. I don't even know if I want to preach the outline. I told Michelle, I don't even like the outline. But I'm going to preach it anyhow, all right? But the thought I'm going to get, we'll get to it at the end here. But I want you to notice a shocking persecution. It's timing. It happened while the church was growing. Can I say this? And I I, I don't mean to speak anything out of existence or anything of that nature. But our church has been growing. You may not see it, but our church has been growing. Uh, we were growing, uh, we were growing unbelievably before COVID. Uh, and, and you may not even know this, but our services, we were bumping 400 people on the premises on a Sunday morning. That's a pile of folks. 400 people, over 300 people we would have in this building, like 350 people were in this building. 
We were growing. We were doing some great things. And persecution come. An attack was made. And let me tell you this, all right? I don't care how you view COVID or anything like that. It was used as a weapon against the church. It really was. I don't care how you, I don't care what your political affiliation is or anything else. But they literally said on TV that liquor stores were essential. Walmart was essential. But you better stay out of the church. The same people that we voted for. Out there telling the world on TV, don't go to church. You'll die of COVID. But you can go to Walmart. You can go to the liquor store. I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out. I seen one of our, I seen somebody that claims to be affiliated with our church sitting at the liquor store drive through today. Everybody all right? What a testimony you are. And your truck that everybody recognizes sitting at the liquor store window. I hope that liquor helps you sleep better tonight. You're not here, so I, yeah, I'm talking to you on 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 a camera. If you even bother, listen. Everybody, all right? What a testimony! Power of the church. Well, they told us church is not essential. Liquor store is. Walmart's essential. Can I tell y'all something? Y'all get things. Y'all get a lot worse from Walmart than COVID. I can't even stand walking in that place. Is everybody all right? <laughs> when I go in there, it's of absolute necessity. Amen. And I get out of there as quick as I can. Because you can catch a whole lot of, you can catch a lot worse than COVID up in Walmart around here. It's timing. It was enduring the church growth. That's when Satan likes to attack. When things are going good and everything seems to be coming back. Momentum is being gained, and this is exactly where we're at. Now, I'm not saying we're being attacked right now, but I'm saying we better hold on and watch out that we might get. Is everybody all right? The church is growing. Man, we've had over, uh, we're back up over 300 on Sunday mornings. Not in here. I think, we're, I think Dalton, what do we have, 280, 270, something like that. So we're right back in those numbers, and when you put in all the kids, we're over 300 on Sunday morning. But... As we look at it, what I'm getting at is there was a time, and I can remember when we first started back after COVID, we had 65 people in here. <laughs> God is doing some things. People is starting to grow. Growth is beginning to happen, and you better believe that when that when Satan sees those type of things, he's going to come for it. It was a shocking persecution. Its timing, its target was shocking. He went after a leader. And I can tell you this, he still has the same tactics today that he has always had. He will go after the leadership of this church. He will go after Sunday school teachers. He will go after people that are trying their best to serve serve the Lord and teach others. And it's threat. Boy, I thought about this. All those people thought, come on, help me right here. If James can die. Then who am I? Man, you want to talk about a threat. This persecution that come sent, as I said, shockwaves through all of the church. Because if God would allow one of His closest to be persecuted to death, then who am I 
At this point, the church probably felt, can I say this and not be, not sound silly, but they probably felt a little invincible. Church was growing. These were God's men. These were the apostles. They probably thought the twelve were invincible. There's no way anything could happen to them. And boom, here he is dead. We see a shocking persecution. Number two, we see a supplicating prayer. I see the people of prayer. The Bible says in verse number five, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing. Somebody help me right here. Of the church. The church. I, I, I need somebody to hear me tonight. The church. We don't see any prayer made for James. We might can call out an individual or two that prayed for James and maybe his mama, maybe his daddy, if they're alive, definitely maybe his brother, maybe him praying out. But the Bible tells us that the church made prayer. The church took on the role of intercessory prayer when it came to the life of Peter. We do not have a record of them doing that for James, but we do. God made sure that we had it in Scripture that this was done by the church and we see that it was done, uh, 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 it was done without ceasing. I put down the supplicating prayer. It was a, the people of the prayer, the prompting of the prayer, the persistence of the prayer, and then the power of the prayer. Because these people made prayer, God showed up. I need somebody to hear me. I, I believe this was all my heart as I prayed about how to preach this and how to go about this. God got the attention of the church with the death of James and it brought them to a place where they could not go without God and they prayed without ceasing. That means this. It doesn't mean that they prayed without stopping. It literally means that they stretched themselves out as far as they could go and they said, God, we can't do this without you. In other words... This is impossible. The persecution of James brought the church. Man, I was going to preach this thought tonight, and this is how I was going to word it. What is it going to take for the church to get back in prayer? We have seen the attacks on the church, and we have flipped it off. No, it ain't that big of a deal. People no longer wanting to come to church. The church ain't important. Man, that, 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 it didn't just, they didn't just tell us that church wasn't essential. They convinced us of it. People left back in 2020 and they've never darkened these doors again. It's amazing to me. They go in the hospital and their first calls to me like I'm supposed to come visit them and I ain't seen them in two years. Is, that, is everybody all right? I, I want to go ahead and help somebody. If you ain't seen your doctor in two years, don't expect to get that visit when you want it. See, when you get to the place where 
you got to have that doctor. You'll do what it takes to, I need somebody to help me, to set up an appointment. And I believe this is where the church was at. They got to a place where, hey, if he can do it to James, he can do it to us. Hey, if he can put Peter in prison, then there ain't no doubt. He's got Peter in prison. He is next. In other words, he's going down the list. John will be after him. Then the rest of the disciples after him. Or the rest of the apostles after him. And then he'll turn his attention to the disciples. So what did they do? In a panic. What did they do? Hopeless. The Bible says they fell on their face and prayed unto God. They prayed unto God. Y'all, we are missing this today. I need somebody to help me. We're missing it today. Our prayers, our prayers are, 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 are meaningless. Our prayers are self, selfish. Our prayers are all about us, our material things, our, our health, or this or that or the other. But this church made intercessory prayer on the, on the behalf of somebody else because their world was being turned upside down. I wonder today if the church prayed as fervently today as this church did for Peter, what kind of impact we can make in our community. I wonder if we stretched ourselves out before the Lord and said, God, I can't do it without you. God, it's impossible. God, this is something you're going to have to do. God, we need you to show up. I wonder what God would do. I wonder what God would do. Instead of, God, if I, I, I pray that I feel good enough to go to church tomorrow. Is everybody all right? God, I, I sure would like for my business to prosper. God, I sure would like for my job to give me a promotion. God, I sure do need a new car. God, I sure do need a new house. God, I sure do need this. I need that. I need this, God. I wonder if we got on our face and said, God, I don't need nothing, but this country needs you. Did y'all notice we don't hear anything about Peter's prayer in prison? I need somebody to help me. I'm thinking that if I'm in prison and I'm chained on both sides to a guard, I'm calling out to God all night long. They're going to be mad at me. You hear me? And God, I'm going to need you to kill both of these men and have them. I don't know what I'd be praying, but I'd be praying. They'd know I was praying. Peter was just sleeping. Peter said, God, if you never do anything else for me, you've been good to me. I'll see you in the morning. I'm going to go over here and say it. Because when you get a hold of that, it'll get real good to you. He said, God, if you never do anything else for me, I just want to say thank you. Hey, I'll, I'll see you in the morning. I'll see you in the morning. I, as a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to give me a good night's sleep so when I get there... <laughs> I'll have plenty of time to run laps around you. Church made intercessory prayer. What was the difference between the martyr of James and the deliverance of Peter? 
church's prayer. Do, do you hear me? The church's prayer. A bunch of people got in agreement. Called out to God. And God said, you know what? I can do something. I can prove it. Is everybody with me? Because then we see, lastly, and I'm done, the sovereign performance. We see God's messenger. God sent an angel. Uh, we see it's the angel of the Lord, but this is not Jesus incarnate. Peter would have recognized him. Is everybody with me? Uh, when we see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, we know that it was Jesus pre-incarnate. But now Jesus has come. He has died on the cross. He has resurrected. There's no need to call him the angel of the Lord. Peter would have known that it was Jesus. God sent an angel, a messenger. God performed a miracle. I need somebody to hear me. I believe God still does this today. I believe some of us are looking for a miracle and we're looking for this big public display of a miracle and we've had miracles all in our lives and all around us and we fail to recognize them. We see God's message, a messenger. We see God's miracle. We see God's miracle in that four soldiers slept the whole time that chains were being unshackled. Clothes were being put on. Instructions were being given and nobody got up. Can I get a witness right there? We see the miraculous and that as they walked out, the gates were just open for them. They opened on their own. We see the miraculous. God can perform miracles. God's open doors. I need somebody to help me right here. God's open doors that no man can open and he has shut doors that no man can shut in many of our lives. God's messenger, God's miracle, but God's message. This is what, this is, this, this, maybe this will help you. Maybe it helped me. The Bible says in verse number 17, but he beckoning with them, unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things unto James and to the <laughs> and he departed and went into another place. Peter's last instructions to those that have been praying, go let everybody know God still answers prayer. Go let everybody know God is still able. Go let everybody know that when we get together and pray, God moves. Go let everybody know that there is nothing impossible with God. With man, it's impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. We have a couple in our church that can testify and I, I, I didn't, this was not planned whatsoever. Matter of fact, I got to church tonight and I've known about this for what seems like two years. Probably been more like a month, two months. I, I, I don't know. It's been a while. But anyhow, I got here and I had somebody come up to me and they said, they're ready, preacher, for you to take the lap. <laughs> I said, they are. So we're ready to, Tell about a prayer that's been answered. They said, absolutely. 
So I went back and got permission from him. I said, instead of announcing it before church, it's just going, I, I feel like it'd go real good right here. 